Wendy totally nerds out about the recent dinosaur discovery in Montana. The Hugo Award nominations have been announced. And Robin interviews Jan Steckel. All this and more on The Letscape! Hi, I'm Robin Renee, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, I'm Wendy Sheridan. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley, and we're having a new episode today and talking about the days and weeks and months. Right now, I can say that April 11th is National Pet Day, and I, I think that that's really great that our pets have a day. And my little Jaja likes it too. She wants a present. Every day is pet day around here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, April 14th is National Dolphin Day. So if you have a dolphin for a pet, then he gets two days. Uh, that would be bad. I love dolphins, though. I wish I could. I don't know. I have fantasies of just being able to swim away in the sea and hang out with the dolphins, which isn't very... Uh, it's a nice thought, but <laughs> well, I think the places where you can actually sweat, where they give you these dolphin experiences, they're captive, and I, I have mixed feelings about that. Uh, yeah, a lot of people do, which is why I haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're swimming with the dolphins in the wild, it probably means you're out too far away from the beach and you're in real trouble because I know dolphins <laughs> have pushed people back to shore. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, <laughs> so so I'll just watch dolphin videos and try to be happy. <laughs> but you might want to swim away to see for our next day because our next day is the fifteenth, and that's tax day. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. Ooh. Yeah, got to deal with it. Time. If you haven't done it yet, it's you're running out of time. All right. Yeah, and then the sixteenth is National Wear Your Pajamas to Work Day which I think is a very good idea since it's the day after you got done your taxes. Oh, good. Yeah, because you have no shirt left. Is that, yeah. <laughs> is that the implication? <laughs> I, or you just have no energy left to get dressed. Uh, well, I, I work from home, so I could every day could be wear my pajamas to work. So <laughs> Mine is, too. <laughs> So we have some birthdays we'd like to point out to you for this week. On the 12th of April, uh, I want to say happy birthday to David, to a bunch of Davids and some people whose name starts with T. We have David Letterman, David Cassidy, Tiny Tim, and Tom Clancy, all born on the 12th. Yeah, so happy um, birthday to David Letterman, and um, the others are no longer with us, but that they were cool. Yeah. <laughs> In their various ways. <laughs> On the 13th is Al Green's birthday. On the 14th is Anthony Minson's birthday. And uh, he's no, also no longer with us in the physical realm. Uh, he's a friend of ours. Yeah, yeah he's we a love very him. close friend of ours. Um, 
I'm still not really, <laughs> I'm not really good with, <laughs> with him not being around. Um, mm-hmm. especially when his posts to me show up on Facebook in my memories. Mm-hmm. And, um, on the 15th is Seth Rogen's birthday. And on the 16th is Chance the Rapper and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Happy so, birthday, everybody. Yeah. Happy birthday. Um, so we're recording this on April 2nd. And on April 1st, uh, science fiction author Vonda McIntyre uh, died of from pancreat, pan, pancreatic cancer. Um, so it's, uh, I'm not, I, I enjoyed her works quite a bit. Um, and I'm gonna, she's gonna be missed. Uh, she's kind of a giant in the field. And my Facebook page is pretty full of the announcement and, you know, people's memories of her and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I only got caught in two April Fool's Day hoaxes on Facebook. I got caught in one for for a minute, and then I was like, wait a minute. And I reposted them, it wasn't and then I there. realized, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who are they? Oh, was it, one was a fish that really was not a fish. Oh, the furry fish? Yeah, the furry <laughs> fish. <laughs> I thought that was, well, I mean, with all of the other weird news, I, weird sciencey news I was seeing the last week, I said, oh, okay, that's that's cool. Uh, it didn't even occur to me that it was not real. Uh, and then I clicked on somebody's headline and it got Rick, I got Rick rolled. So that was the second one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I saw one about a really awesome hiking trail in, in Barrington, New Jersey. And I was like, well, there's, there's places to hike all around South Jersey. So, but I was looking at it and all of a sudden there's like mountains and moose and it was, it was a little bit extra for what you're going to find around here. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> but, uh, it was but, something yeah. that a lot of trouble to put that together. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, I've been noticing that more people posting this year that they really dislike uh, April Fool's Day. I'm not a big fan of it. So I was happy to see some people saying, like, uh, a friend of mine posted something like, the day of lies is finally over or something <laughs> like that. Uh, I posted a warning to people. <laughs> Yeah, I, I heated it. <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't like those jokes anymore either. I, I like, um, like, I remember a long time ago in like the electrical engineering magazine I used to get, uh, there's somebody, they had these ads for like flame emitting diodes and, and geeky jokes like that. And that kind of stuff I, I think is funny. Um, I think the Apple ad that came out saying that everything that you own now is going to be replaced. You could do Photoshop on your Apple watch or something like that. Oh, it's really tiny thing. And, and, you know, those kind of things are cute. Uh, practical jokes on individuals is I'm not into that anymore. Really? I don't really, I never was really into it in the beginning, but I'm really not into it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so what else is in the news? The Hugo awards were announced, uh, the other day, and I just wanted to congratulate everybody who's been nominated. Um, a couple of my favorite graphic novels were nominated for Hugo's again, uh, and that's going to be really hard for me to, to vote on which ones I like the best. Uh, and uh, I also noticed it was a predominantly 
females or people with female sounding women sounding names were uh, in the forefront. And um, I'm just happy about that. <laughs> um, well, in, in, in paleontology news, <laughs> I know this is really kind of news uh, of the ancient specialized. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this guy, um, now I've forgotten his name again. Uh, it's his last name is De Palma. It's Rob, Robert. Was it, or is that the director? <laughs> See, this is, uh, I mean, now we, I'm thinking of Robert Palmer, the musician. So now, <laughs> I could look it up, but the Palmer uh, is the last name. I know that. Yeah, um, the the doctoral, the perpetual doctoral student, Mr. De Palma, um, has been working this uh, site in Montana for a number of years, and he's finally published his results in the proceedings of the natural sciences or some big journal like that. And it's hit every, and, and it's, this is very huge, um, discovery of, um, of a bunch of fossils and other, other items in Montana that they now believe was all gathered together in this pile during the first hour after the asteroid hit the earth. That's incredible. so. Wow. It is. It, it's mind blowing. Uh, so, the New Yorker article, which I think is is well, it's the longest of all of the articles about this, uh, and it goes into quite a lot of detail about what the the current thinking is. Um, you know, the the asteroid impact theory has been controversial and people say we're, we're saying, well, it could have been volcanic activity that killed the dinosaurs or climate change or blah, blah, blah. But, um, this, this kind of really puts a, a, a nail in the coffin and it's really just a big asteroid hit the earth in, um, the Gulf of Mexico. That was the body of water. I couldn't think of when I was talking <laughs> to you before. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. And, and, uh, and apparently what happens when it, there was a, a, you know, that caused um, earthquakes in other areas of the globe. And this spot in Montana um, was part of a low inland sea, I believe, at the end of the Cretaceous period. And what happened there, they call it a siege. It's kind of like, um, like if, you, if you're jostling a bucket of water and you see the water that rises and falls around the edges. Mm -hmm. Well, a siege does that with a large body of water because the ground underneath is shaking. And they were thinking that the, the action of the water in that sea is how all of these animals got buried in the sediment within the first hour after the impact. They found fish fossils whose gills and mouths were full of these microtectites, mm. uh, for example. And then they found them all, you know, in the, in the surrounding sediment and, and in other things. And uh, explain what a microtectite is. It's yeah, it's, it's tiny, tiny droplets of glass that rain down because a whole bunch of, uh, of earth material was thrown up into the air under huge amounts of heat. So it's like 
I guess I guess if it's if it's sand, it gets liquidified and, and then breaks into glass. down into in glass as glass, yeah. Yeah. and they're very very small. This um, is a really fascinating, and it was also a really bad day for a lot of creatures. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it it well if you read the New Yorker article about that the Q machine simulation of what happened, uh, it's. The first thing that happens is the asteroids coming down and it's compressing the air and heating it up. So uh, basically North and South America burst into flames and it, it like, it sounds like they took the atmosphere turns on gets, it's basically everything burns up. I mean, I'm amazed that anything survived <laughs> after wow. this. Mm. Uh, and, and he found in in the um, in the in his dig, he found a burrow that burrows from above the the KT layer, which underneath is the dinosaurs, and on top is mammals. Um, and uh, there's a, a burrow that goes uh, from on top of the KT layer to underneath it, and and they found um, a fossil in there of a little mammal. So, you know, one of our ancestors was right there digging through the sediment to, to chill, to live, and, and then got fossilized later. Um, and uh, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's kind of a, a game changer in the field, and they, and they have definitive, uh, I'm sure there's going to be more controversy about stuff, but it, it explain, it, it's kind of proving that, there were dinosaurs around um, right up until that asteroid impact because up until then um, there's something that paleontologists called the three foot problem, meaning for three feet under that iridium layer, which was laid down by the asteroid. And that's globally. It's like whatever fell, it like shot up a bunch of stuff into the atmosphere that kind of just trickled down um, on the, on the earth, like, evenly around the globe. Um, and the iridium is, is, uh, from outside of the earth because that's very rare here. And it's a lot more common in, uh, in asteroids, for example. Um, so this top three feet had no dinosaur. There are very few dinosaurs in there in, in most of the world. So everybody was saying, well, obviously they died off before this event happened. Although the stuff that this guy is finding indicates that that's not the case. Um, and it's kind of a, a, a very unique find. Um, and it, and it really uncovers a lot of, uh, interesting stuff about our dinosaur. Um, and I don't want to say progenitors cause we're not really <laughs> the other people, the other creatures that shared the planet with uh, our progenitors back 65 million years ago. Um, it's really amazing. I, I, I'm really looking forward to reading that. And yeah. um, it kind of motivates me to get more, to orient myself more toward reading and just being part of scientific discussion and thought. Again, it's something, I was just talking about how I'm missing that in my life. Um, oh. And that would it's inspiring me to think about other outlets for reaching that kind of reach to dealing with that part of me that is also in, very interested in those kinds of things. And yeah, it's, um, it's, paleontology it's, was never in my field, but it's something that is fascinating also. 
Yeah. I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a paleont. Paleontology was on my list of things I wanted to be when I grow up. I think it was after astronaut. Um, <laughs> I had astronaut but, on my list too. <laughs> yeah. And superhero. <laughs> I didn't want to be a superhero. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a paleontologist. I wanted to be an ar- archaeologist. Oh, cool. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, this was, I, it's like I posted on Facebook. It's like, come on, somebody talk to me about it. And it's like, it's like, what do you want to talk about? It's like, I don't know. Like, this is really cool. <laughs> so, so has anything happened in uh, the last million years or even like this past week? I don't care anymore. We don't know. <laughs> I don't think we have a lot of news. The the news I was thinking about is all so in motion, you know, like when, how long the Mueller report is, if we're going to see it, who's going to see it, who's uh, subpoenaing for it. By the time we, uh, by the time this comes out, that's going to be, your people will know a lot more than we know now. So we hope we can certainly hope. Yeah. It's an ongoing thing so the news will change about it whether or not we know actually know anything or not is another story yeah, i mean the yeah the news is there's a lot, lot of shit that's happening that's really pissing me off um like like the the bullshit that i think alabama and georgia are doing uh, about reproductive rights and um but that's got to wend its way through the courts and yeah. that's going to be a long time those are these are all long haul things. Uh, and, you know, if I can set aside my outrage for a day or two to wonder at the amazingness of the planet, let me do that. Just that is a really good thing. Yeah, yeah that is good. But yeah, it's still leaving me with this little side question, because we've got this whole thing about the Mueller report and and people, Republicans claiming, oh, this vindicates us. And the, the Democrats saying it doesn't vindicate you at all. But then then Betsy DeVos coming out and saying we are no longer going to fu- fund the uh, Special Olympics. And then the president coming and saying, oh, no, we're going to fund the Special Olympics. And that whole thing about the Special Olympics, do you really think or could it be that this was just a diversion? Of course. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, and I also think he floats ideas like, you know, he put out the whole thing of just taking down and destroying uh, oh, you did the health care bill again. And then he now, I guess, as of, I don't know, today or whenever I saw it, that um, oh, I just we'll deal it. with that after the election. And yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought, yes, we will, and you will not be president. <laughs> That's my sincere Because hope. they don't have anything. Yeah. And you also, know? it's just like it's so unpopular that mm. it's like, oh, maybe I'll take that back again for now. So, But anyway, I, I like your <laughs> idea, Wendy. Um, <laughs> enjoy life. Think about other things. Think about, you yeah. know, the science and all kinds of stuff because it's yeah. we have to have balance. Yeah, and and there's something about that that even if the whole earth got destroyed with fire and burnt, that somehow life continued gives me hope. We won't be here when we destroy the planet, but somehow life will continue. Oh, life will continue after humans, definitely. Mm -hmm. You know, if that asteroid didn't wipe out all life on earth, even though it pretty much... I, I think it was like hundreds of years before 
obviously, obviously there was enough food for mammals to get through whatever happened because we're here. We're proof that, that, uh, that life happens. Um, so. Lovely listeners, we love you all, and we'd love to hear from you. So post your comments on our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And please go to iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. We really need those reviews, and that would help us out a lot. Thanks a lot. Coming up later in the show, I'm going to have a conversation with Jan Steckel, who is a wonderful poet with a new book out called Like Flesh Covers Bone. So in the interest of uh, celebrating Poetry Month, uh, we're going to have this great interview. So stay around. I had so much fun last Friday night. Um, Most people who talked to me lately know I'm a big fan of the Muller She Wrote podcast. And (laughs) yeah, what's that? I love the name of the podcast. It's great. It's very clever. And they're very funny and and cool. Um, Their whole sound design and everything is just very fun. And um, so they are from California. They live in San Diego. They are, uh, one of them is a government employee who she doesn't reveal her, um, she records her, anonymously. Yeah, she uses she uses her initials AG and uh, doesn't reveal where she works or exactly in the government. But she, um, you I know, has a lot of insight into how things work. What's that? I bet it's with the Navy. Huge Navy town. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> but uh, you know, don't out her. Don't out her. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Sorry. He just, you know. Whether it's 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 fine. She she adheres to the Hatch Act, and you know people can know or not know other things. But anyway, they so Ag, Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. They're all comedians also, and they're very very funny. And they follow all the investigations, you know, all the way through all the sidebar things that have happened and everything. And um, so it's it's actually you know it's informative and it's also makes me laugh, which is good, because I think, like I said, we need some comic relief with all of this that going oh, on. Yeah. And they, you know, it was interesting, because I had had tickets for this a while ago, and they, um, they, they're doing, they did a mini tour. They were in D.C., which is where I saw them, and then they were in Brooklyn, and I think they have some other things coming up. But at any rate, um, it was... It was a lot of fun, but what I didn't expect was that the Mueller report, the Mueller investigation would be over by the time this came. So they had, um, they were dealing with a lot of people on Twitter, especially like saying like, oh, what are you going to do with your life now? You know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And they were like, there is plenty to follow. There are like 19 (laughs) ongoing investigations that have come out of all this. There's lots of news, you know, and, and instead of winding down, in fact, they've gotten so many patrons that they're going into a daily show, which is going to be called Daily Beans, which is exciting. Wow. Yeah, it's really growing, you know. Um, I. How do we do that? <laughs> how do we do that? That is a good question. And I also, um, I did, I got, I went to the meet and greet, which was really a lot of fun. Um, and I, I talked a little bit with Jaleesa about some of the things I'm 
what our last episode was discussing, just sort of the cultural shifts and things that are happening on the left. And I want to, um, I would love to talk to her more about that. I kind of pitched that, I, you know, can we talk sometime about all these things? So I, my dream is to have one or all of them in interviewed sometime here. That would be, uh, that would be awesome. But also just to get some insight, you know, because other talking to other people who are podcasting and kind of like regular people who are engaged in, uh, in the community and, and in learning about and being aware of politics and, uh, what this all means, you know? So it's, uh, it's interesting, but the show was fantastic. I'm just was over the moon in, uh, having fun. There was, uh, they had a couple of guests. So they had like a panel discussion. They had a news, um, what would you call it? Like a, a news quiz kind of thing. They do, they do a thing called, um, um, oh, I'm losing the, the, the word right now. Fantasy Indictment League, <laughs> which they play live. They have everyone, everyone can like post on their Facebook uh, group who's a patron and pick your five people who, of the week who you think are going to be the next to be indicted. And there's like a point system and everything. <laughs> so it was fun. It was, it was a really great night. Um, and I got to hang out with my friend, Amy from high school. And we just, uh, who's also a, yeah, who's like a real, um, really engaged in politics as well. So it was cool to. Is cool she in the DC it. area as well? Yeah, yeah, she lives in, uh, yeah, in in the Virginia. Okay. So. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, just from I know where you live, and I'm going. Hmm, is it really easier for you to get to DC than it is to get to Brooklyn? And it may actually be easier. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, in terms of concerts, I've realized it's. It's you know about maybe it's a little bit longer, but it's less or broad. equal. But it, to go to Baltimore rather than New York for shows is actually kind of wow. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> that can work better. But that's another thing. No, but to go yeah, I was I was it was a toss up whether I wanted to go to D.C. and or uh, or Brooklyn, and uh, it, you know my friend was there, so that worked out that way. However, right after we bought tickets, we found out that they might be Giants or fans of Muller she wrote and they I don't know if they showed up in Brooklyn but that's where they're from and I was like oh my gosh I need to get on the highway as soon as the one show ends and come back and go to that one <laughs> I was thinking they'd, they, uh, gonna, they would think they I was brought... a groupie I'd be like selling tie-dyes outside or something <laughs> are they going to uh turn that into a podcast the show do they record it like uh Yes, like and the show that one. the show that I went to is actually out now. That is, oh, you can listen to that. Awesome, I'm and going to. yeah, yeah. And the next one, I think they said that that's going to come out on April fifteenth, the one that they recorded in Brooklyn. So I'm looking forward to hearing okay. how that was different, and you know, but um, but it was a lot of fun, and it's a podcast that I just like. If you want to know what's going on and really keep tabs of things, and also. Um, be a little irreverent. Another thing that I love about them is that they are, they're all, they're constantly like a, a, apologizing for things and wondering if the thing they said was politically correct, but they really don't care because it's, it's honest and fun. And, you know, so there's, I mean, there's a mix. Obviously they do want to be respectful of people and they sometimes go back and say, Oh, we said such and such, and maybe we shouldn't have phrased it that way. Maybe we should have said this or whatever. So they sort of are engaged in that conversation, but at the same time, they are, uh, you know, uh, uh, what would you say? 
crude and funny, you know. Okay. And and willing to be themselves in lieu of being uh, proper in all to all uh, corners all the time. And I really appreciate that, honestly, because that's something that um, feels scary to me right now. Like Mm. with so much that people um, take offense to, you know, I mean, I I like the idea that we are sort of waking up to things that are, um, I don't know, can be problematic, but at the same time, you can go to a point where no one can say anything <laughs> at all ever. And, and I like, I like reserving humor and having a, a level of irreverence and they do that. And they also are <laughs> obviously very conscious. And I think that's the key to me, you know, so it's, um, it's a very good, it's a very good show. And I'm really looking forward to, to seeing the continuation of all of these investigations and see what happens next. And uh, they will, Definitely let us know. So great. It's a great show. Check it out. So that is my why is it's awesome. Why is it? Why is this awesome (laughs) for the day? Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash Fan. Tweet at me at spiritrocksexy. And follow me on Instagram at Music. I would love to hear from you. The Leftscape is sponsored by Harlequin and Other Fantasies, a meditative coloring book for grown-ups. Over 30 original illustrations to color, printed on 80-pound cover stock paper to avoid bleed-through with alcohol-based markers like Sharpies. Spiral-bound to lay flat when open. Printed on one side so you can frame your masterpiece without sacrificing another drawing. Subjects include animals, people, mandalas, steampunk, Celtic knotwork, and so much more. Use Leftscape at checkout to get free shipping. See the Leftscape website for details. Purchase Harlequin and other fantasies from wendycards.com. I am here on the Leftscape with Jan Steckel from Oakland, California. She is an award-winning poet. Her book, The Horizontal Poet uh, from Zeitgeist Press, just won a 2012 Lambda Literary Award, and she's been a winner of the Zeiser Grant for Women Artists and has had three Pushcart nominations. She is also an amazing activist. I know her uh, in the bi community as a great activist there, and she also does a lot of work for disability rights. So welcome, Jan. Thank you, Robin. It's great to have you here. It's really nice to talk with you. Nice. Well, you have a new book also uh, on Zeitgeist with Zeitgeist Press, and it's called uh, Like Flesh Covers Bone. And I believe that is a Charles Bukowski line. Yeah. And where does that come from uh, in his work, and how does it, how, how has he informed your work? Well, he, he starts up, uh, he has a poem called The Flesh Covers the Bone, and it, it's about everybody making love and trying to connect. And um, I have a lot of poems about sex, but I don't really think of myself as a sex worker. I think of myself more as trying to make connections with people through my writing. Mm-hmm. 
Wonderful. So that um, so that title is sort of a, evokes connection or getting to the core of something, or yeah, it's it's about connecting with other people and moving other people in a way that maybe Bukowski wasn't always able. I mean, to do he could move other people, but I'm not sure he was always moved by other people. He seems to have had a sort of loneliness at his core. Um, but the, the phrase itself, apart from Bukowski, just was really evocative for me as the title of a poem that I wrote about um, the Boston bombing. And um, mm -hmm. so that's why I grabbed that particular phrase more than uh, a very, very strong connection to Bukowski. Mm -hmm. you know, Bukowski is part of the zeitgeist out here. A lot of my friends admire Bukowski a lot. And I was even friends with Bukowski's former mistress, Francai, who's a Berkeley poet um, and uh, the mother of his only child. Um, yeah. So it's it's like he's part of the air we breathe out here in Oakland. Sure, sure. That's that's really cool. Interesting. Um, so for this work you've created, it looks amazing. I've just started reading it. Um, I'm going to actually do some writing about it uh, in May or before May, actually, for oh. Bi Women's, uh, the, 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 the Boston magazine, Bi Women's Writers, um, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, yeah. But one of the, oh, go ahead. No, it's just thrilling for me that somebody like you, whose work I followed for a long time and whose music I admire so much, is actually going to be reviewing my book. I get chills. So thank oh. you. <laughs> Well, I guess, well, see, Mutual Admiration Society then. <laughs> That's kind of how it works around here, I think. Um, so, but you, this is something interesting I really didn't know, that you have a medical background and um, as a Harvard and Yale trained pediatrician, actually. So your book really um, is in five sections, I believe, uh -huh. and they seem to all speak to something medical or, or um, surgery in, in a sense. Uh -huh. um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I'm not a surgeon. I was a pediatrician, and I left yeah. practice in 2001. So I've been a poet and writer and editor longer than I was uh, a doctor. I was in the world of medicine for maybe 12 years. Um, but a lot of my poems are still informed by that knowledge of the body. And that's also why the phrase like flesh covers bone was so evocative for me. So some of the poems in the book are from a series I wrote about wives and doctors of, sorry, wives and daughters of doctors and scientists, because, you know, my father is a medical doctor and his father was a medical doctor. And um, it, it's, partly a way of talking also about gender relationships, um, how the women sort of supported the men um, in, in, in their roles as scientists and doctors. So um, that kind of gave me the idea of dividing the book into the five sections that correspond to surgery. I sort of feel over the last couple of years, like we as a country have been undergoing surgery without any anesthesia, you know, and oh, I, part, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And so part of the book, it was just going through that process and then, you know, of, of opening everything up in a painful way and then trying to suture it closed and to, to bring some healing in the last section of the book. 
Mm, that's awesome. Well, I would love for you to share something. Would you like to? Do you have a few picked Thank up? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'm going to start with um, a poem about feeling like a by elder because when I hit 50, um, I was invited to uh, participate in a project for by elders and it just cracked me up that <laughs> I was an elder at 50. It's like it's like queer years or dog years or something and we get older faster. We, our expiration date is sooner. So this is by babes in the woods. Nice. What did we know? We thought we'd just be ogling together people of all genders all the time, painting ambiguous genitalia in fuchsia, purple and turquoise on the bedroom wall, marching in our bitch magazine and lesbian Avenger t-shirts, reading Alice and Bechdel and Marianne Mohanraj till our baby bi eyelids drooped. We cuddle up like futon puppies, draw the shades on the 4th of July, Watch Nosferatu while heteronormatives held sunshiny bake-offs and cookouts. We'd read our horror stories, homo poems, sexual histories of the garden snail at Perverts Put Out, Smack Dab, Queer Open Mic, The New Shit Show, The Godless Perverts Story Hour. We never dreamed in our wildest sparkly by nightmares we'd end up with long-term health care insurance, forgetful parents tumbling downstairs, Earthquake retrofits, a trail of dead friends, arguing on Tumblr with 20-something gender and sexuality police over whether bisexuals loved only two genders while pansexuals only fucked pans. <laughs> and, you know, that was for the giggle, uh, but the truth is I'm all about bi-pan uh, support and mutual support and unity because uh, I, I think we have a lot more in common than we have different. And if I had been born 30 years later, I probably would be calling myself pansexual. How do you feel about the pansexual bisexual debate? I find it perplexing. Mm -hmm. I find it frustrating. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, I feel like we're, it's very, it's very similar, if not identical for a lot of people actually. Yeah. And, and for me, I've been frustrated by, I feel like bisexual has been back defined mm -hmm. so that it never meant only two in my mind. Like there was always like fluidity and, um, right. but we just maybe didn't have all of the language that we use now for that. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's a conversation I would love to have more with people who identify as pan and, and other fluid sexualities and maybe just sort of understand more deeply what people are talking about when they use the words that they use now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree with you about the, the back definition. I, you know, I, I, a lot of people in the bi community are trans or have trans partners and friends much more than in the cis communities in the much more than in the straight or the lesbian and gay community, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have any statistic for that, but I, mm -hmm. it intuitively feels correct, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and many people like myself identify as gender fluid or gender queer or non-binary mm -hmm. right. and are bisexual. So, you know, right. Me too. Uh, interesting. Um, anyway, that was a, a, a wonderful poem. How, um, Thank you. What else you got? <laughs> oh, well, let's see. Um, e 
you know, one of the things I mentioned in that poem was a trail of dead friends. And mm -hmm. as we get older, we lose a lot of people. And um, it seems like maybe poets and musicians live fast, die young and pretty. I don't know. But we, um, there, there came a point around the age of 50 where I started to lose a lot of friends. And um, this poem, which you asked for, is about one of those friends, a poet uh, in San Francisco named Joey Cook. Mm. She's eating hummingbird hearts for appetizers, drinking the salt and sea for a cocktail. She's doctor bitch to you, matey, so look seaworthy. Inch-long nails, vinyl skin, elbow hickey, teased hair with a dyed pink streak. She'll take that plunging neckline, let the girls out to say hello. She's thinner than a flimsy excuse, frailer than tornadoes, richer than creosote, inimitable, indescribable, delicious. I'd give my supernumerary nipple for a taste of that. She makes us rise like bread, a fish belly up, the sun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Joey was um, a Zeitgeist Press author. That's my press. And it was also the press that published my mentor and dear friend, Julia Vinograd, who passed away in December. And if you're up for it, I have a poem about Julia too. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm still, I'm sort of, uh, it takes a minute to take in that language, you know, and oh, uh, yeah. I would love to sit and have a moment of silence, <laughs> but I'm going to, sure. you know, have you keep reading and um, encourage <laughs> everyone to go buy the book and then they could sit and, with the poems too. Thank you. I'll try to leave that moment of silence after the other poems I read. <laughs> uh, Julia Vinograd turns canned food into poetry. It's worth making the whole house smell like a dead mermaid just to watch her down sardines like a happy seal. I winch open tins of smoked oysters, sardines in oil, gefilte fish, niblet corn, jumbo olives, preserved peaches. Each dish before digestion gets its ode. She praises the fish, eulogizes the salad, even writes a poem to the oysters. Before I spoon horseradish onto the plate, the whitefish have finned away into her belly. There I hear the oysters singing each to each. She does not deign to eat the peach. The echo of uh, T.S. Eliot is very yeah. cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Julia Vinograd is sort of the reason I became a poet. I was trained as a fiction writer and wrote mostly fiction. And then I came to Berkeley and went to read one of my poems at an open mic. And she said, oh, you know, you're a poet. And, and got me to write and read more and eventually got me published by her press um, that she ran with um, Bruce Isaacson, uh, who's the owner of the press. And Julia did some of the editing for the press. And Zeitgeist Press is this little indie press uh, based in Las Vegas that publishes mostly Las Vegas and Bay Area writers, although some other writers. And uh, they're very supportive, particularly of my writing about being bi. Um, the owner is straight, but I was going to leave out a poem from my first chapbook, which was about 
uh, fist fucking a woman. And he <laughs> said, no, you know, you got to push the envelope. You, you got to, you got to, this is a good poem and you got to put that in there. And so I did. And I'm really grateful to him for pushing me to push the limits sort of. That's, that's really cool. Was it, um, did you just feel like it didn't fit with the other poems or you felt like it would be too much? I was afraid it was too much. You know, I was, I was going to sell this first book to my members of my family, some of whom were um, a little biphobic and, and I you know, was planning to read it in the libraries and stuff. And I thought it was just going to make some people feel uncomfortable, but, and it, it does make some people feel uncomfortable, but I think having people confront their discomfort is a useful thing in this context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I was going to ask you is what is the job of poetry? Um, is it, is it about pushing limits or is it do you, and also do you feel like it's, has a difference um, between the, itself and some other arts like music or crafting mm. or painting or storytelling? Well, for me, the art of poetry is more about storytelling than it is for some poets. There are poets who are purely lyrical for whom it's more like music. It's more about the sound and the feelings um, and for me, it's more about telling stories, my own stories and other people's stories, so that people can identify with other people. Um, and, and that's, for me, the, the whole point of literature, fiction included. It's, it's to help mm -hmm. you experience other people's experience vicariously so that you can enlarge your empathy for other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess, especially right now in our very weird times, how does that intersect with activism for you? Being out as bi is an act of political activism. It's, it's, it's a choice that I make every day. Um, and I have to push back against a lot of people telling me not to do that. Um, including close, some close friends and relatives. And even, even now you've been out even, for, yeah, ever, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> even now, I mean, my, my best friend um, whom I love dearly, or one of my two best friends told me that, you know, I shouldn't say that I'm bisexual because people think that means I'm promiscuous and available. And I, you know, my friend and I are both Jews and I'm like, well, if saying you're Jewish means to somebody that, you know, you're, you're cheap and, and aggressive and all these bad qualities that people attribute to Jews, should you not be out about being Jewish or is that their problem? And should you actually be out about being Jewish or bisexual? Um, my mom told me when I was a young girl, I was on a bus and I was talking with an older woman who was very nice. And toward the end of the bus ride, she said something derogatory about Jews. And she didn't know I was Jewish and I didn't know what to say. And I kind of got off the bus and I was upset. This was my first encounter with anti-Semitism. And I went to my mom and I said, mom, you know, what, what do I do? And she said, you smile at them and tell them that you're Jewish because then they know that there are nice people out there that are Jewish. And that's sort of how I feel about being bi. And, you know, my poetry is a way of being out there 
for the people who have a little biphobia and showing them that I'm a good person, but also being out there for young people in particular who are bi, who need the role models. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That is a good, that's, that was a great anecdote. And Thank um, you. I've been in situations like that where people feel like they're in a monoculture and can speak about things that they probably ought not to, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. In, in some negative ways. And so it's, you know, it's an interesting, it's always this, this moment of choice, you know, do I say something that this offends me or hurts me or am I, do, am I just too exhausted to deal with it today or how do I handle it? Yeah. I'm trying to get better at speaking up when I can. It's not, it's not. If it feels safe, you know. Yeah, you've got to choose your moments. It's not always safe and it's not your job to educate everybody else. You, mm -hmm. you got enough on your plate most of the time. I'm sure right. we all do. But if you do have, if that day is a good day to make that choice, then, then I encourage you to make it if, if it feels safe and if you have the energy. Mm -hmm. Likewise. Thank you. So, um, how about one more poem? Do you have something else? You'd sure. Like to yeah. Well, you had asked for um, this poem, which, again, like I only, I only knew it was safe to put this poem in my collection because my publisher, Bruce Isaacson, is so cool um, that I knew he would support me in this choice. Um, it's called Carnal Barker. Love lights a cigarette. Cherub cheeks glow in the fag ends sparkle. Venus better keep her flytrap shut. There's none here but whole liquors, cherry red rimmers, and ass-kissing sinners. A little bird told me, a fagula whispered, be she never so booksome, there's no place like home base, no whole heart like my whole, my heart. So shut your pie hole and give us a kiss, you quick-thinking, piss-drinking son of a cunt. Come on a hunt with me. Find me one honest man in the stews, moist and used, and I'll screw the whole lot of you. I know how you like it, you dyke-fucking piker. Strike words from the record like sparks from a flint. Dumb bint, you know you like it, so climb on my spike. Have a ride, yes, you with your girlfriend's red satin undies on. Every man has his muse. Grab your fountain pen, trash talker. Fashion me a crash course in liberty. One good poem before I die. That's all I need to blow this popsicle stand. One J away from the world's memory. Arm me with lexicons, pyrotechnicians. Mexicans will breed you out of English only, you great, great Anglo-Saxon hussy. So bust me. Kyrie eleison. Don't let me put a crimp in your shrimping, you fast-dying fetishists. Boot-licking fish kissers. What Bruegel nightmare gave rise to you here? A Bosch of a bootmaster. Shine em up, bright girl. Make your Nazi mama proud. Plenty of time to wind your own damn shroud. Unwind a little. Just relax. It will be over soon. Wow. <laughs> Would you like to share a little bit about what sparked that and how you came to those words? Um, let's see. I, I think that I was probably drinking scotch when I wrote that one because <laughs> it disinhibits me a little bit. And I was thinking about, um, my friend Judith Rector, 
R-E-C-H-T-E-R. She's a very fine poet who lives in Santa Monica, who I think um, had written some stuff about SM. Um, I'm not into SM myself, but I have friends who are. Um, and I was probably also thinking about the current, um, the current rise in hate crimes and, and in um, fascism and, and Nazi memes and things like that. And trying for myself to figure out, you know, where it's safe to um, talk about domination, like in an SM scene and where it's very unsafe, like in a, a fascist demonstration, like we're seeing more of now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that sort of um, was curious about that poem. I wouldn't say confused because it was just one of those things where I, I, I wanted to live in it and read it more. But is that I was like, is this sexual? Is this fear? Is this protest? Is it? It's kind of a, a, a lot of things happening in it. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the nice things about poetry is the double entendre and being able to deal with more than one thing at a time, even in a single word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're a poet too. You're, you write lyrics, um, which I think is the truest form of poetry because poetry was originally meant to be sung. And we say about poets when they're at their best that it sounds musical. Uh, I'm honored to, to call you a fellow poet. Thank you. I do write uh, spoken word poetry also and I'm actually going to undertake Naporimo this month and I'm a little Oh, bit, that's great. Yeah, we we're, we're recording this in, on April 1st, so uh, I need yeah. to get started today. <laughs> I just sent you a, a Facebook invite to join a secret group that Zachariah Greer Hauptman started. It's only secret because we want to be able to publish any poems that we post there later and if you've if you've posted a poem on an open Facebook page, then it's considered published because it's on the internet and you can't publish it later. I um, never knew that actually. That, I mean, it makes yeah. sense, but thank you for reminding sure. me that. I'll keep my sure. poems off of Facebook for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is a group where it's safe to post them because it's a secret group, so it won't be seen by potential publishers, but you, it'll be seen by a bunch of other queer writers, uh, um, queer poets. And so I hope you, you join and I look forward to reading your work there. I'm gonna to try to post one poem a day there too. Thank you, thank you, that's very cool. Well, I have really enjoyed this and I'm, I was just thinking it is the um, Bi Women Quarterly where I'll be writing about um, your book in for the summer edition, I think. So um, oh, that's, that's something wonderful. to look out for. That's gonna be cool. Um, thank you, I can't wait to see what you have to say. So I'll say something about like flesh covers bone there. I'll have to really uh, get into these poems. I'm very excited to do that. Um, And thank you. And um, what do you have something you'd like to say? Just remind people how to reach you and. Sure. I have a website. It's jansteckel.com. J-A-N-S-T-E-C-K-E-L.com. My book uh, is available from Amazon, like Flesh Covers Bone. It's also available from the Zeitgeist Press website, and their URL is www.zeitgeist, that's spelled Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-T hyphen press, P-R-E-S-S dot com. Um, 
Also, if you prefer a signed copy, there are directions on my website about how to order a signed copy directly from me. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading next week in Las Vegas at two venues. And if you go to my website, you can see where all my upcoming readings are. That's so, very cool. Yeah, we might be, this might actually be uh, published after that event, but you will oh, see okay. there's lots going on uh, for Dan. I did see uh, quite a few events coming up for you. So yeah, you it's going to be a fun few months. Yeah. So thank you so much, Robin. It's been lovely talking with you and getting to know you a little bit too. Thank you. It's great talking to you. You've been listening to the Leftscape podcast. Find us online at leftscape.com, on Twitter at Leftscape, and on Facebook at Leftscape. The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. New episodes every Wednesday. Thank you.